they're just asking this ugly motherfucker on the street if he wants a hand job. Welcome back to the Balls, Buckets, and Bowl podcast, everybody. Glad to be back. Joining me for his special birthday, Derek Neeson. How does it feel to be 21, man? Oh, man. 21 again. Oh, my God. Well, uh, dude, well, birthdays are pretty lame once you get out of college, people. But eh, it's been a good day. Glad to be back. And again, back in the house, Ryan Lim. How you doing, man? Good. Uh, Derek, How you're, what, 24 now? 25 dude oh 25 what, what was the price of a gallon of gas did you was it like <laughs> or <laughs> oh god all right people so we're going to talk all sorts of sports today so we're going to just try to get into some rapid fire little topics so let's get into it nfl haven't really talked on it too much but or in the last podcast but Still so relevant. Aaron Rodgers done for the season. Brett Hundley just looked awful in replacement through less than 50, completed less than 50% of his passes, only 87 yards, an interception, one rushing touchdown. You know, the Packers kind of turned to a running game in which Aaron Jones like ran for over 130 yards. Uh, the passing game was awful. Their leading receiver was like Martellus Bennett with like 17 yards. Nobody had more than two receptions. I mean, I just – I think this team is done. I don't think it can score anymore, anymore, and I don't think it has the defense to keep it afloat. So you guys have any quick takes on that before we get into the uh, the fun stuff? Well, I think Rodgers being out really highlights that this team is uh, really lacking in personnel. You kind of just had Rodgers backpacking the team, and, I mean, that was fairly obvious during that game. And uh, one thing I want to say is uh, – because you guys didn't talk about it last podcast, but do you guys think that hit was dirty or not? Because I'm on the not dirty side. You kind of need to, you know, let the quarterback, you know – uh, know who's who, who's up to get up against. I'm I'm down for roughing him up a little bit. I didn't think it was that dirty. Yeah, I didn't think that it's that dirty. I mean, it's not like anything like um like Sue would have done in past years. So, um, that that's just dirty stuff. But the hit on Rogers wasn't that bad. Actually, I I think the the Packers are tanked now. Um, traditionally, like whenever they had Favre and Rogers, they the Packers are always like, oh, we have this guy on the bench ready to go, ready to take over. Not in this case. I say tank the season try to get some high draft picks and then start over next year. All right. So let's get into the power rankings talk. Let, I'm going to give the top five what they have. And then uh, we'll just, we'll just go like freestyle, whatever we think is wrong. Right. They got one at the pay. One is the Patriots, two Eagles, three chiefs, four Steelers, five Cowboys. So I think the top three, I mean, you could rearrange them if you want, but I, I mean, I, Patriots, I feel like, is number one just because, like, you, it's, like, hard to ever bet against Brady and Belichick. I mean, you can already see them starting to pull the defense together. The Eagles have looked great. Uh, I'm going to have a talk. I'm going to have a take on that later on, though. I think that they're a little overhyped. The three Chiefs have looked really good, beating some really good teams. I think the Steelers might be – I don't know if they deserve to be four, and I don't think the Cowboys deserve to be five. So what do you guys think? Uh, for this ranking, I had uh, – I think there's some disrespect going on with the Rams right now. I had them in my top five squeaking in there. Uh, they've looked really good. The, the record shows and, you know, their offseason pickups uh, are looking really good. I think Rams are getting a little uh, disrespected right now. Yeah, I definitely don't think the Cowboys should be in there. No offense. But, I mean, where are the Steelers? They came out with authority this past week, and they looked really good. They're ahead in the NFC North. I think they deserve that fifth spot. 
I would I would say that the Steelers might be the favorite in the AFC, but like with all this drama going on with this team and they're still finding saying, a way to yeah. win. I mean, you got Artavis Bryant wanting out, and who knows who's if Antonio Brown or Le'Veon or Ben are going to start some drama next week or the following week. I mean, somehow they're still getting wins. If they can somehow figure this out in the locker room, then you know this team's threatening. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Ryan. I don't think the Cowboys are going to be five, especially when the Rams sitting at seven beat them in Dallas. I mean, that just doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, I could see the Seahawks getting up there if they can ever figure out to have a consistent offense. But So let's go. I'm going to round out the top 10. It would be six is the Seahawks, seven Rams, eight Vikings, nine Derek, your Texans, and then 10 the Raiders. Mm. Um, I think the Vikings is interesting because they, the quarterback situation is just a big question mark. I'm not sure. I think the Texans could, could kind of deserve to be a little bit above them. Uh, with some more convincing wins, but what do y'all think? Well, I think uh, I, I appreciate the Texans' love, but I mean, we really need to prove ourselves in in games more. I think we're getting a little overhyped right now. I mean, we'll see how we play this weekend. Uh, but I do love that you know people are giving some respect. You know, a lot of talk about Deshaun; he's looking really good, and we'll see where that takes us. And uh, yeah, let the Vikings. Uh, who is there? You know, Case Keenum. How long? How far can he take you in the playoffs? You know, I'm not going to rank him that high. They've looked good with the personnel, but I mean, in the end, if you don't have a solid quarterback, you know, how far are you really going to get? Yeah, I mean, I actually kind of like the Vikings. I think they kind of figured out their um, run situation ever since Dalvin Cook went down. I mean, Latavius has looked pretty good. McKinnon has his weeks. If they can figure it out, that defense can take him to an NFC championship. All right. So I think, yeah, I think we pretty much are given our claims. If you want the top 12 in terms of like the top 12 for like playoff teams, 11 Redskins, 12 Falcons. Falcons, I think, will just look awful. I kind of picked them to maybe come, like maybe come back, but man, they've had like that loss to Miami was a bad, a stinker. Um, really quick, what do you guys think of the Bears winning with Trubinsky throwing the ball? Like, was it literally like seven times or something like that? Four completions, uh, seven total throws. Uh, man, that's that's great, dude. He's he's finding a way to win. I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's more the Panthers is looking like absolute crap that game. But you know, my Bears are my second team, and uh, man. Uh, we'll take the win, even though we're not really we don't have any much we don't have much faith in uh, Trubisky's arm, but we'll take it. Um, honestly, in our like listener league, it's just so slim pickings right now. I'm actually using Trubisky this week against the Saints. Um, I think he's gonna have to throw it to like have any chance of a close game. So I think he's gonna have to throw it like 30 times this game. We'll see. All right, let's uh, get into the kind of the the big topic going around. I would say after Monday. And that's is is Carson Wentz the MVP, and he has looked really good. Sixty one point six completion percentage, uh, thrown for one thousand eight hundred fifty two yards, seventeen touchdowns to four interceptions. The team is six and one. They're first in the NFC East. Got a two and a half game lead over Dallas at sitting at three and three. Man, I mean, and he looked impressive uh, at Washington, um, especially after not performing too well in the first like quarter and a half or so. What do y'all think? Uh, I think he looked absolutely crisp. Uh, some of those plays, I really don't even know how he pulled off. Uh, but definitely uh, the front runner for MVP so far. And uh, yeah, they're just finding finding a way to make him look excellent. And then both both sides of the ball for the Eagles are looking really good. Well, y'all know I look out my window right now and I can see Carson Delphia, Pennsylvania. 
and the hype is real. Everybody is into Carson Wentz. My only one concern is that uh, Peters, their left tackle, went down. Undrafted, seven-time Pro Bowler, just an amazing guy. But last year, whenever their right tackle, Joyner, was suspended for 10 games, they were 5-1 and one with Joyner, and then after that, they were 2-8. and eight. Let's see how they fill in the left tackle. The guy that replaced him, I forgot his name. It sounds like Polynesian or something. But he looked lost at times. He had a couple of false start penalties. I mean... I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up this hype. Maybe they can find a free agent halfway through, make a trade, and fill that spot. But if they can't like solidify that line, they may be in trouble. Yeah, the left tackle spot's pretty uh, pretty important. I think he's probably probably the lead candidate for MVP. Originally had Alex Smith, but I mean, you could argue that. I mean, just just the fact that he's played really good games on a national stage is you could. You could argue that. So here's so I got a question. We got a question. The podcast did. Are Eagles re- the really the best team in the NFL? My take is this. I mean, they're looking great, right? The team is at the top, but the opponents are just a little like underwhelming. Their wins include two versus Washington, Giants, Panthers, Cardinals, Chargers. The Redskins haven't looked great since Sean McVay left. The Giants are just terrible, god awful. The Panthers just lost to a QB who threw it seven times. The Cardinals can't play out of their retirement home with all those senior citizen players. And the Chargers have had one good wins versus the Broncos, but have had terrible bad losses otherwise. Like, I just, I mean, I don't see that many good wins that they've actually had. Like, granted, they played the Chiefs pretty close and nearly won at Arrowhead. But, like, to see them as the best team in the NFL, I think... I just don't see that. What do y'all think? I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, you're right. They haven't had the most impressive of wins, but, you know, they're, they're look, they have the best record in the league right now. And, I mean, all the, the top, like, six or seven teams, it's pretty good parity in the league right now. I'm curious to see once the games get a little uh, sloppier in terms of cold weather, you know, snowy and, and all that stuff, see how it goes down. But right, as of right now, I mean, I guess you can't really argue that they're at least top one or two in the league. I mean, I, I'm on the other boat. I don't really buy it. Um, I was doing a bet. Tebow offered to bet me $20 for the Redskins and Eagles game, and he took the Redskins. And I immediately jumped on the Eagles. I thought that was a great idea. And then I realized that, wow, they nearly lost to the Giants. Like, if it wasn't for that, like, fourth-quarter, last-minute field goal, they would have tied and maybe lost. Like, the wins that they have are not that great. I don't think this team could beat the Chiefs right now. I don't think they could beat the Patriots. I don't think they could beat the Steelers. I mean, maybe they're going to be NFC championships, but I, I just can't see them winning a Super Bowl. That's kind of my take. It's like, just, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but like, I just don't think they're the best team in the NFL, which could be a hot take, could be not. Any more, uh, any more hot takes on NFL before we switch over to the basketball well, I mean, one big highlight, I guess, that we missed out on was the Falcons' loss to the Patriots. Uh, I think this was more of a Patriots getting vindication over the Falcons for, you know, that big comeback win in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, everybody was saying, oh, Falcons need to get redemption and blah, blah, blah. But I think it was more like Patriots needed to prove, like, why were we down 28-3 to to begin with to this team? Let's just totally pound on them. And that's exactly what happened. Bill Belichick deployed the secret weapon, the fog. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I was watching like a 20s movie through like a laptop and like, yeah, but no, I, I just want to say I'm just so proud of my Jets. Uh, Josh McCown is going to lead us to a seven to nine year. We're going to fail at tanking and just be stuck in like, I, I just don't know, NFL purgatory. Yeah, they're, they're like finding like they're not losing correctly. I don't understand. I mean, it, honestly, though, I don't blame them like looking at how bad New England looked for like those first six weeks. And like, I mean, 
the Jets were like one, you know, bad call of a touchdown away from being right in that game. And if they win that, like they're in, I think they're leading the division. Like, I mean, I can't necessarily blame them for trying to go when, you know, they see New England at a weak spot and try to go for a win. But yeah, no kidding. They're going to be stuck I, I, in limbo. I don't also, um, there's been a little whispers around Twitter that uh, Donald's thinking about staying another year. So, you know, maybe the Jets aren't totally screwed, but uh, I don't even know how credible that is. I, if I was him, I would just go to the league. Why would you keep playing with that coaching staff at USC? But that is some talk uh, going yeah. around. The last thing on my Jets is I can't believe like the moves we made in the offseason. Cutting Brandon Marshall and then Eric Decker. I mean, Eric Decker hasn't done anything and Marshall has been injured. Like, wow, who would have thought those moves would have panned out? Like, honestly. Well, if we're talking about our homer teams, uh, Texans did get Dwayne Brown back. So watch out, you know, Texans might make it a run here. All right, let's switch over to basketball. First thing I wanted to talk about is just what the fuck is going on in Phoenix. I mean, the the Suns just massive implosion, not even like five games into the season. Um, So first off, before we get into these NBA, most of my take, I mean, I did all the research yesterday. So forgive me if I don't have all the accurate up-to-date information stats. But I mean, this is impressive, man. They fired their coach. They're one of their best players is about to be traded. They're one of the... Another star, I think a starter got fined $35,000. What is going on? I mean, Coach Earl Watson, he's fired after just three games. They start 0-3. They named Jay Toronto the interim coach. Eric Bledsoe tweets, I don't want to be here. And then he apparently claims that he was talking about his wife's hair salon. Uh, said he didn't want to be dragged out to there. The GM, Ryan McDowell, says you know, he won't be with us anymore. So it looked like they're trying to trade uh, trade him. Josh Jackson find 35k for pulling out a trigger out of family. What's going on here, guys? Well, I don't know, man. This is uh, the new dumpster fire in the league. I think everybody before was guessing that it would be the Nets or the Kings or now it's the Suns this year. This is awful. Uh, I don't know why you keep a coach. Like, why didn't you uh, make the changes in the offseason if you were only going to keep him three games? I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't understand uh, that decision. And and Bledsoe was clearly talking about being on that team. I mean, it was right after Watson got fired. And, yeah, I mean, come on now. No yeah. one's believing that. Yeah, I mean, this is straight after out of the Phil Jackson playbook. I mean, I don't understand what how, what are they doing with Bledsoe? Last year, they sent him for the last like one and a half, two months, saying that he's quote unquote injured, where he's not. They were just trying to tank. They can't even tank properly. And then whenever he quietly goes to them for a trade, they blow it up and they make a huge deal about it. And now, whenever he like actually wants a trade, they bench him and then they try to decrease his trade value by saying that he doesn't want to be on the team. Nobody's gonna want a troubled asset like that. What? What are the Suns doing? Yeah, that's everyone knows the first thing you do if you want to trade someone is don't let anyone know that you're trying to like or that they're bad like locker room presence or you don't want them. That immediately decreases your leverage. You know what? Just props for him for not like claiming the oh I was hacked narrative because that that was just getting old. I like this one. I like the oh I was at a hair salon. That's definitely uh unique. Apparently the actually apparently the ex coach Watson tried to fight him in the locker room for tweeting that, but I don't know if that's true. Well, he would get All his right, ass, so the next he, would get, he was going he would get his ass kicked, but that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so the next stuff I want to talk about, it's kind of a more open discussion. There's been, you know, some, most of the top teams have uh kind of struggled a little bit early on and maybe not necessarily struggled but not performed at the absolute elite expectations that we had for them. Uh just to get it to get the ball rolling. I mean the the Warriors haven't haven't looked too good right off the bat. They're sitting at 2 and 2. They struggled in a loss to Memphis. Uh Steph Curry, you know, got tossed for 
He was made. He made a layup. Thought he got fouled, so he threw his mouthpiece uh, and hit an official who immediately tossed him. And then Durant gets ejected and gives a fan the finger. I mean, what's going on with the Warriors right now? I'm not too concerned with you know their overall wins and you know their success are going to have later. But I mean, first off, this mouthpiece thing is fucking disgusting. Okay, like this is the second time he's done that. You know yeah, how disgusting that is throwing these. Mm-hmm. He threw it at a fan apparently one time. And now he's throwing it at the rest. Look, man, nobody wants that in their face. Like how disrespectful is that? Uh, I mean, they they were competitive against the Rockets, who I think are looking uh, pretty good. I mean, we got our law uh, first loss a couple nights ago, but. Uh, that was a competitive game, and I'm, I'm not too, too concerned. But, man, this mouthpiece thing is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, like, why can't he just keep it in his mouth? He should be fine for, like, not wearing safety proper, like, like safety <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's always outside his mouth. He's chewing on it. Like, he touches the ball, then touches his mouthpiece, is on the floor all the time. That it, That's disgusting. I mean, uh, the thing is, if, like, DeMarcus Cousins threw a mouthpiece, would it be out for, like, seven games? I, I can't believe that Curry <laughs> yeah. only got fined. I mean, maybe because he's just, like, you know, a likable star in the league. But I just couldn't believe, like, all he got was a fine because pretty much every, all, like, the notorious, like, kind of asshole players, they would have easily gotten seven games plus. Yeah, that, that mouthpiece is, thing, is disgusting. And you're right. He did throw it at the fan one time, like, a while ago. I think it was, like, last or two years ago in the finals. Next team I want to talk about is the Cavaliers. So, you know, D Wade goes to the bench, and I think it was a good move. But, like, as of Tuesday, he averaged 5.7 points per game, two rebounds per game, and only 3.3 assists per game. I mean, I think it's the right move. He wasn't looking good, and I think he knew it. And honestly, though, props to him for asking to be sent to the bench and not making a big deal out of it. So, looks like J.R. Smith will go back into the starting role. And I think it'll probably work out better for Wade because uh, he'll be still a nice scoring option off the bench, assuming he can uh, get his legs back under him. But, you know, the, the Cleveland's, as of uh, Tuesday, they were 2-1. and one. And uh, really the reason I, I kind of put them under this struggling tab is they had a pretty bad loss to Orlando, who I think lost to your Nets, Ryan. So, what do y'all, uh, Ryan, what do you think about that? Uh, Orlando actually beat us. It was a heartbreaking, like last minute shot by uh, Evan Fournier. But um, I, I don't know. I, I like LeBron at point. It's fun to watch. It's not sustainable. Cleveland needs a point guard. They need LeBron's presence around the rim. And honestly, if they don't get Isaiah or somebody else to fill in that spot soon, I think the Cavs may be in trouble. Well, I think uh, D-Way to the bench. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying that he's like all in on that simply because, I mean, he's an absolute veteran, an absolute champion. He's always started. Yeah, he wasn't looking that good. But maybe just for now, this could be uh, some kind of effort to cut his minutes uh, for the season. I mean, for, if you're in the Eastern Conference, you can pull this kind of stuff and play LeBron at point and kind of be experimental because let's be real here. I mean, I think they're going to the, the finals no matter what in that Eastern Conference. It's extremely weak. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he comes back later in the season. Um, but – it is a curious move for now. Yeah, I mean, I mean D- I'll, D- yep. go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, D-Wade shouldn't even be playing those minutes anyways. He's not at the point of his career to where he can log like 38, 40 minutes. I think he's a good rotation player for J.R. Smith. He should only have like 18 to 22 minutes a night. That's that's how they're going to keep him fresh. Yeah. I mean, with all these takes, like it's only been what? Like not even five games for some, some teams into the season. So... Take all these with a grain of salt, but I just think it's something interesting to talk about. Um, just uh, you know, about one week into the NBA season. Next team, the Thunder. So as of Tuesday, they were one and two. They lost to the Timberwolves in a close game. I think it was uh, Andrew Wiggins hit like a deep bank shot. So, but they lose that one by two. 
They lose to the Jazz, 96-87, and then their only win as of Tuesday was against your uh, – or I was going to say your Knicks, Ryan, but I know you're a Nets fan, so against well, the didn't, Knicks. Didn't though. those three have to combine for like 75 points to win that game anyways? Uh, I don't know. This, this is a chemistry problem from the beginning. I think they'll figure it out, but right now it's very clear that they're struggling to kind of find their identity with all these stars. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's uh, on paper it's a really good team. But remember, basketball is all about chemistry. Just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it's going to work good on the court. You're going to have to let these guys learn and figure out like the ins and outs and build up like how everybody plays. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, next team, Celtics, also sitting at one two. They kind of, you know, have a obviously a pretty good reason for struggling a little bit after losing Hayward, but. They lose to the Bucks, which I think is not even that bad of a loss, considering Giannis, who I think should be favored for the MVP, honestly, at this point, is on that team. And then their uh, only win right now is against the 76ers. But, man, I got to say, you know, I I kind of – I thought I thought about moving um, the Wizards up to number two spot after Hayward's injury, I, but I kind of left them there in the last pod. If I had to vote – if I had to put right now, I'd easily slot the Wizards in at number two. I was literally just about to say that. I think, obviously, with the devastating loss of Hayward, uh, it opens it wide open for the Wizards to compete against the Cavs, probably in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think this Hayward injury is more than just losing Hayward. They gave up a lot of picks that they were yep. stockpiling for this. And I don't. Hayward's not going to be 100% for a while. I mean, I broke my ankle, and it, it, the recovery process is a long time to get 100%. And, and they lost a lot of those picks that they were doing to rebuild. And Celtics could be kind of screwed for longer term than everybody's saying. And we know you're a freak athlete, Derek, who heals uh, like an alien, just like Adrian Peterson. Mister F- Mr. Fundamental, man, come on, like yes. Uh, yeah, I loved pushing you around in that wheelchair. That was my favorite, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. No, I mean Hayward was like one of the key, like key pieces that was going to keep them competitive with Cleveland. And after he's out, I really don't see how they're going to replace the production that they had. Avery Bradley has been less than stellar. Terry Roser actually has been pretty good for the Celtics, but all around this team is not going to be able to compete with the Cavs. All right, next team, the your uh, Houston Rockets, Derek. Really, this one isn't necessarily struggling. I just really want to talk about that CP3 is out for two to four weeks with a bruised knee. Um, they did lose to the Grizzlies. Uh, Harden got in like, a scuffle with Mario Chalmers, which is kind of funny because I think they're both like – the probably like the most like non-confrontational people ever, I would say. But um, you know, I don't they didn't think that CB3's injury was serious and they just want to be precautionary, but um that's uh that's definitely not good to start the season right off the bat, because uh I thought that they would need also like OKC to build a chemistry. Uh, I mean, the C- the CP3 loss sucks. Uh, it's starting to highlight. Uh, maybe this trade wasn't as good as it you know looked. Uh, but I, what I will say about the Rockets is, you know, with Harden leading the team as he did last year without Chris Paul, we picked up some great assets in PJ Tucker, and we got Luke and Bob Butte back, uh, or not back, but got him in the offseason. and. Um, it, it looks like it's gelling pretty well with our gameplay. I don't think the Chris Paul thing is going to be too much of a hindrance, but it sure sucks. Like everybody was hyping up Harden and Paul. Yeah. And now, and now he might not even be healthy like for a good amount of the year. We'll just see how this this knee uh, goes throughout. 
Uh, yeah, I just want to say a shout out to my friends Scott, Dan, and Nick who bailed on me. I was actually supposed to go see the 76ers and the Rockets play tonight, but everybody <laughs> bailed, and I hate them. But um, shout I think out the big thing to talk about uh, is the Trevor Reza injury. I mean, not only is Chris Paul not going to be back for a while, they lose a key offensive piece in Trevor Reza, and then you got that Mu Muhaba Top uh, that that guy. <laughs> Good one. Um, replacing him, and I just don't. I don't really see how this team can compete in the West. Remind me of like freaking Roger Goodell, Mariotto. <laughs> how do you say his name? <laughs> Luke Mba Amute. Yeah. Uh, good yeah, piece, too man. Well, Ariza is super underrated. That That's definitely going to suck. Hopefully he's not out too long because he's definitely a key piece. You know, props to the Grizzlies, man. They're showing some heart considering they weren't even favored to make the playoffs. Good wins against Houston and the Golden State Warriors. You know, they're, I, they do have heart, man. I mean, that could get them an eighth seed. Well, it's really confusing. It's really confusing to me because, I mean, the Grizzlies are like the one team left in the league that's still kind of adopting the slower play style. Like, uh, and somehow they're finding these great wins. So I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're looking pretty good. I, I really hope they lose. I hate watching the Grizzlies in the postseason. Oh, Grindhouse, this and that. Dude, you have Zebo, Gasol, and Mike Conley. Probably the three, like, most boring players on the court not off the court Zebo is probably my favorite off the court NBA player but on on the court it's just really boring old school basketball and it just doesn't sell in today's time well yeah they are certainly the most boring team in the league and I mean Randolph and Marcus are some of the slowest players in the league so I'm just surprised that they're making these games competitive and looking all right all right so let's talk about Lonzo Ball how he's looked so far so the Lakers are one and two Ball is averaging 13.3 points per game, 9.3 rebounds per game, and 8.7 assists per game uh, off of 34 minutes a game. I think he's looked pretty good. I mean, just just off those stats, I mean, he he's he's, he's putting a, you know good numbers in every single in most uh, offensive categories, and I think he's a great defensive rebounder. Out of those 9.3 a game, 8.3 of them are defensive rebounds. Um, he you know he struggled playing against Patrick Beverly, but I feel like most guards have trouble against him anyways. But people kind of want to see him to be more aggressive and shoot more. But I don't really necessarily agree with that. But what do y'all think about how he's looked so far? Lonzo has looked awful once, okay once, and amazing once. So uh, we'll see how it goes throughout the season. I will say that, yeah, he, de- he doesn't really have the shot mastered yet. But, man, if he starts getting that to fall uh, more consistently, this will be kind of a big threat, especially if he keeps putting up near triple-double numbers. He's looking pretty good so far. Yeah, I, I watched the game like two days ago, and I think he attempted something like five three-point shots, and they were all just super awkward. Everybody talked about how weird his shot looked. Not as bad as like Markel Fultz's looks now with his injury or whatever, but dude, I don't know. He, he's going to need some type of perimeter game to make him like viable in the league, especially with the Lakers. Yeah, you. I mean, pretty much if you're going to be in the league now, you need an outside shot. Like it it is hard to win if you cannot like make open three pointers. Um, I kind of agree with you, Derek, you know, he looked bad. He looked bad against, uh, against the Clippers against uh, Patrick, Pat Beverly, but he still had nine defensive rebounds. Like I was saying, um, still had a couple assists. That one, though, definitely not a good one. Like the Suns, I mean, we obviously put up like, what was it? Tweet. I put up 29 points, nearly got a triple double, but I mean, it is the Suns. The Pelicans one, which was, was the one I thought was a little more impressive. You can see, I think that's this might have been the game you're watching, Ryan. 0 for 5 from three-point uh, range, only only made 3 out of 13 field goals. But he still had 8 rebounds, and he still had 13 assists. And um, 
I just think, you know, the, the player I think I compared him to was like Jason Kidd, and he's like, you know, a passer of the ball first and like tries to get people involved. And I think, I think, uh, I like to like uh, follow Colin Coward. He like always like basically puts up like a LeBronzo meter. How often, how likely is it that LeBron's going to go to LA? I mean, uh, that is something that's good to see out of him is that he's willing to share the ball. So. Um, first off, do not compare him to the net legend Jason Kidd. I just want to say that. But no, honestly, I think Lonzo Ball is a little overrated. Um, I don't think he's going to be rookie of the year. If it's not Markel Fultz, I think we got to give it to De'Aaron Fox, who if if they actually move him into the starting rotation, he is a beast. In the minutes that he's been getting, he's been putting up solid numbers, and he also dated B-Ty's ex-girlfriend, a Houston native. <laughs> well, don't sleep on Simpson, man. I think that he's a really good shot getting rookie of the year as well. He's putting up some good numbers. Uh, Fultz has that shoulder injury right now, but maybe he'll come back and, and look really good too. Speaking of awards, man, you know, I said he was a dark horse. And even when I said that, I was like, I don't even know if he is considered one or like a long shot or whatever. Giannis is looking really good. He's averaging 36.8 points per game, 10.8 rebounds a game, 5.3 assists per game. I mean, this guy is a monster. If this guy could ever get an outside shot, oh my lord! I don't think I've ever seen a player like get so much better every year. Uh, this is absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know, like all the Bucks roster. I'm pretty sure it's not the most stellar thing in the world, and he might have to kind of back back the team. But my god, his stats are ridiculous. It looks like an absolute beast on the floor. Uh, yeah, I chill on the stats for a little bit. I stole it from a certain four-letter network, but um, they were talking about the three players to start off with a triple-double in the first four games of their of a season, and it was Oscar Robinson, the big O, uh, the Greek freak, and some guy named Hambone Williams, who got his nickname because somebody just yelled Hambone, and he turned around and acknowledged them, and everybody <laughs> called him yeah. Hambone for the rest of his life. So I would chill out on that. It's a hot start, yes. Can he keep this up? Probably not. Over the span of a season... I, I think he's going to be really good, but you got to wait for other people to catch up to him. I mean, all I know is that he's like, he can pretty much get to the hole against anybody, like whenever he wants to. Like when they played against the Cavs, I mean, nobody could stop him. Nobody, if he wanted to get to the hole, he was going to get there. The only problem is like he just does not have like an outside shot as, uh, you know, as of yet. Um, but I don't know, man. If I if I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Vegas in a couple weeks and best believe I'm betting Giannis to win the MVP. Yeah, I mean I think this guy is one gold dead eye badge in 2K away from being like the hands down MVP. But right now he still has the microwave, he has the posterizer. Yeah, he has a ton of badges here. I mean I I'd take him in black court any day. All right, any more NBA t- takes before we get into baseball? Nope. Nope. All right, let's talk about the World Series. Uh, obviously, we're talking about this after Game One, in which the Dodgers won three to one. A bunch of homers. Kershaw looked pretty good. Struck out eleven hitters in over seven innings. Held the Astros only three hits. It was a hot game. Hundred over a hundred degree temperature. Apparently, it was like higher than both of the Game Ones of the previous World Series, World Series combined. What do you, uh, What are y'all thoughts so far in the series after one game? And uh, who do you think takes it? Derek, as a Houston well, native, I will let you have the floor. Well, uh, I'm absolutely 
stoked like every Houstonian is for the Astros to get back in that World Series. I mean, game one, Kershaw threw an absolute gem. I thought Keuchel picked, pitched actually pretty well. I mean, he just gave up five hits, and he, he gave up two homers. That's what decided the game. A couple mistakes there pretty much cost him, you know, and against Kershaw, that's, that may be all it takes. I think game two... Uh, we're watching it right now. It's top of the first, I think, with Verlander pitching here. If we can somehow steal a win in L.A. and get three back in Houston, I mean, we have a, a decent chance at uh, taking this. So I'm not counting them out just yet. I think, you know, we'll see how it goes. But go Strohs. What's your prediction? Uh, I would say 4-2 Strohs. All right. Ryan? Yeah, okay. So the Kershaw matchup, that that's an automatic loss for any team that faces Kershaw. I know he's had his postseason woes and he's given up eight homers over 20 innings pitched in this postseason, but he came in with an ERA of like 255. Dude, the guy's just stellar. You have to rack that up as a as a win anytime he's on the mound. My concern with the Astros is if they don't win tonight, it's going to be very hard for them to get back into the series. Justin Verlander's been amazing. He has a 188 ERA since he's came to the Astros. 9-0, won every single game he's pitched. But the thing is, he's not at home. The Astros are typically only good at home. They're 6-0 in the postseason at home, 1-4 on the road. Um, if they don't win this, then you have to run uh, the onslaught of the Dodgers' like rotation, which is going to be Rich Hill. Uh, and then you have you Darvish, and then Kenta Maeda, Ryu, whoever they want to throw at you. If you don't win this game, it's going to be very hard to come back. You can maybe pull out one or two um, at home, but the Dodgers are going to take you if you can't win tonight. I mean, the Astros have are, had a 478 slugging for the season, and no other team had above 450. I mean, they have the offensive po- firepower that hasn't been seen since, like, Babe Ruth's Yankees in, like, 1918 with some of these stats. And in this playoffs, it's been so frustrating watching them because I don't know whether it's young young players' jitters or what, but we just haven't been able to produce the runs. They look like a different team right now, and hopefully they start heating up the bats. Yeah, no, I, I the confidence is shot with the Astros. I saw George Springer out there hacking at baseballs, looking like our IM softball team, and it was honestly embarrassing. That guy was like an all-star center fielder. Like, you, you can't do that. Like, you just need to calm down. I know it's been a while since you all been in a World Series, but seriously, it's time to not have to shut up. Ryan, I know what you're talking about. I, I play pretty good out there on the safe softball field. What's your prediction? Uh, if, if they win tonight, it's going to be four, two Dodgers. If they lose, then it's going to be four, one Dodgers. Well, damn. He's calling it quick. No confidence. No faith. I will say you should feel good, Derek. Cause just, you guys got the, uh, Kate Upton advantage and Justin Verlander's pitching best believe she's going to be there. And, uh, there's something about when she attends those games that, uh, just makes him go lights out. Don't forget about the Justin Verlander and uh, Kate Upton nudes in the mirror. We got the nude power on our team. Let's go. I think is if he doesn't win, he doesn't get laid. So, oh Ooh, yeah, now that's oh, some motivation. Well, there we go. He's winning for sure. I can't pass up that. <laughs> My shitty uh, prediction for whatever it's worth is Dodgers and seven. So, all right, that's enough sports. Let it. Let's get into some uh, good old bullshit. All right. So we thought we would give our. We were going to rank them or give a list, but we're just going to say how many we have. So we are going to name the top trigger words of 2017 or just whatever um, if we have them. D- who wants to go first? Any any takers? 
Well, I I only have one, and it's a phrase, and it's just chill out. You know, like this. You know, no one ever chills out when you say chill out, man. And I'm guilty of this too. I say it a lot, but even guys and women, if you say chill out, you're just gonna make things worse. Everybody gets triggered by that, and they're never gonna calm down. I mean, how many times have you guys seen that? And I mean, I'm definitely. If someone says that to me, I mean, you're just making it way, way worse. So, uh, yeah, definitely a trigger phrase for me there. Yeah, uh, going off of that, one of mine that I have is the uh, whenever you see a guy at the bar and they say, what are you going to do about it? Actually, last <laughs> week I was out at a bar and I was carrying a whiskey Coke around and some drunk asshole knocked a, the whiskey Coke out of my hand. And he was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I will fucking deck you in this bar right here. And then I go to the bathroom, come back to my friends and see that same asshole talking to my friend. And I was like, Oh shit, this is one of my friend's friend. And it made for a very <laughs> awkward. Thing. Did you still, uh, were you still pissed off or you try to laugh it off and maybe I uh, didn't know it was you. No, he couldn't. He, he realized that he couldn't run from his problems at that point. So he just was very apologetic for the next two hours. That reminds me of one of my college phrases. Like, you really want to take this outside, bro? In front of all these people? All right. See ya. I don't know. Yeah, you just reminded me. I said that all the time in college. Sounds like Flanagan. <laughs> my, my top trigger word is kneel. And that you know exactly why. I don't know what it is, but kneeling has set off all of America into this crazy want to beat the shit. Everybody go on Facebook to give their opinion. Everybody give everything. And man... Has it been something else to see? All right. Next bullshit topic. Derek, I I, uh, will lean on your expertise for this. What is the best technique to drink for day games? You know, I was thinking about this uh, for a while, and I think I'm going to come down to, I personally love, and I'm not even sure now that I'm turning 25 today and I'm getting, you know, old man status, but man, back in the day, power hours were the best way to pregame for a game. You know, you, you're drinking seven, seven and a half to eight beers in an hour. By the time you hit the tailgate, and you're you're ready to go, you're ready to you're ready to party. Um, and you know, outside of that, I would say uh, classic tailgate. You know, just 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 hanging out, having a shot here or there, shotgun some beers with the boys. Those are my two favorites. You know, nothing too special, but Derek, really quick for the people, what is a power hour? Okay, so that's when you take a shot of beer every minute for 60 minutes. And honestly, the best way to do this is with an app called Tune Time or something like that. And you can play like 80s playlists or whatever playlists you want. I mean, you don't know how lit people get if you play like 80s classics, like 90s classics, and they switch every minute. And you take the shot of beer. Uh, pretty fun. Brian? Yeah, um, I, I'm a little unconventional. I'm a big fan of the just don't sleep the night before. Grab a bag of your favorite extracurricular activity and just power through it. You can sleep during the day, rally, and then you'll be back ready to go at night. Oh, God, that just sounds awful. Um, I know for a fact that I cannot pull that off yeah. anymore, but yeah, not, not about a stretch. <laughs> Derek's already like about to go through midlife crisis. He definitely cannot do that. So, <laughs> Yeah, quoting uh, Malcolm in the middle, uh, the future is now, old man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I would say my technique is obviously you're because like if it's a day game you're gonna be out in the sun you know whatever put on some sunscreen drink a lot of water all that goody goody stuff but in terms of drinking definitely go with something that like 
you know, you're gonna get a good buzz, but not like blackout and then pass out in like the afternoon and then not make it tonight, like you were saying, Ryan. I like to go just I don't I I agree with Derek. I think the power is a good one. I would just, you know, I'll piggyback off that. Maybe do like a beer bong. I think, you know, I I kind of uh, rediscovered them the other day. I think they're fast, effective. I think it's better than shotgunning. And it's a great way to just like chug like three or four beers right in a way right in a row right before you go out to the game. So that's my uh Time out, time out. How does one rediscover beer bonging? Were you just walking down the street? And like you were like, oh god, I haven't done that in years. Who? How come nobody told me about this? I mean, it wasn't walking. It wasn't a street, but it's pretty much pretty (laughs) much right. All right, guys. Anything else before we get out of here? Got a little time. Uh, I I just wanted to quickly say, um, since we have Derek here, uh, why I I know we have this like integral hate. For people that dip pouches versus long cut, mm. but is it just because they're pussies, or because it's like the second best thing? I I've never been able to put my finger on it, but I just kind of hate them. Man, people that dip pouches, it's kind of like the half-ass, like pussy way to say you dip. First off, no chick ever likes guys dipping. So if you're gonna sacrifice and look like a fool and throw a honker in, you might as well get the big buzz of like a long cut, right? And just and just get that buzz. It, uh, you know, if you're doing the pouches, you look disgusting, and you're getting nothing the same as Lanka. I think people that are just doing that don't understand the true art of dipping, and man, just pathetic pussies. <laughs> any any thoughts on this, Joey? I mean, as a as a person who's never dipped in my life, uh, I have no thoughts. But uh, I, I, that shit's disgusting. So I don't know how y'all do that, but um, all right. So before we get out of here, the podcast. Another announcement I should make at the beginning. The podcast is now available on SoundCloud. So for those who would rather listen on that, um, it's the same thing, just the BBB podcast on on SoundCloud. uh, So follow us on the BBB podcast on iTunes. Um, Give us a fat five-star review on St. Right there on iTunes as well. Follow us on – I'm I'm fucking this up. Sorry. Uh, Follow us at the BBB pod on Twitter. Enjoy the World Series games. Uh, We will be back for Derek, Ryan. I am Joey. See you later, folks.